boy J16 here to keep it real and drop it on another topic. Today's episode is on cold and its influence on us with mobile design devices. This is the third part of my four part series based on the technology of cold from its inception to the future. Check in every Thursday for new episodes where I'll be breaking down different topics across a variety of different areas. So without further ado, let's get started. So unlike the early parts of Web 2.0, the computer really couldn't handle a lot of data. Like, so if you remember with your phone, you would probably get charged like all these data charges like really early when you were like trying to view the internet from like a phone or something, like a small Nokia, you know what I mean? Back in the day when we had these Nokias and things like that, you, you would not you would be in charge these data charges that you really, really couldn't stand, right? So for like best standards of the web in these standards is as uh, developers we follow just to make sure our sites are being optimized the best way possible. At the early standards of the web, during a phase where everybody could build a website was about 40 megabytes. That was an issue because when you tried to send things that had more megabytes, you would get charged a lot of data charges from your phone provider. Because now, as the internet became more popular, we were moving it from just your regular PC that you would sit in front of your uh, your house, like a, a regular personal computer you would sit on a laptop or sit on a on, on a desktop at a job, to being on a mobile device. And I remember, like, when I was um, starting that company, they they told us in a meeting that this is around 2005. They told us that by the year 2020, 80 percent of users would see a screen of a phone first before they saw the screen of a desktop kind of blew my mind but if you look at us where right now about you know 2023 we are seeing that play out right it's like everybody the first thing they look at when they wake up in the morning is a phone like you know it's like the phone is everybody's best friend right that's the thing that's never leaving you so the internet had to get better optimized for the phone because the phone was the one that was the thing the device that was charging to so much so much money based off bandwidth because of this we moved to a certain time where everything that was based around the phone was so important that we looked into those things for us to basically help our lives out the phone had multiple stages and when you move to these stages of understanding the phone you have to look at what these stages were. Just like the internet had one, two, and three versions, the phone had five versions. We're in the fifth version right now. And they based them off generation. I call these like the five Gs, right? Five, I ain't gonna say the gangster. I ain't doing no corny jokes or anything like that, but the five Gs. Each one of them stands for one generation. So the first generation is around the late 80s. Second generation is the 90s as cell phones were becoming more popularized into the household. The third generation, we get into the late 90s, going into the mid-2000s, and then we get into four, the fourth generation, which a lot of, we all are in now. So the third and fourth generation were the most important parts of the, the G aspect. Now, when you think about the G aspect, the reason that the generations of these phones were very important is because now, not only can we stream the internet from not like how you're old school when you used to be in your house. Like, hey, mom, I need your phone. Oh, you're on the internet. You got the cord tied to it. No more dialer. We were moving to this aspect of Wi-Fi, which was coming out in the late 90s that allowed us to now stream the internet 
anywhere we would sit down. You didn't have to dial up for it. You didn't have to get charged all these fees from your phone company. You didn't have to get charged all this data from like broadband because these companies were charging you so much to stream all this, this more complex data that you were trying to see from websites like videos, not static images, right? And because of this, these generations helped us advance ourselves into the phone. Every 10 years, one of these generations comes out, right? The biggest thing to understand about these generations is that each generation is trying to evolve into better stages in the next generation. During the time of 4G, not 3G, 3G, if you want to really think about 3G, 3G was at the time when the iPhone came out, right? The iPhone was so important, and at this time, 3G came out. 3G was a, a new way that we looked at the phone to help us get data faster because on the iPhone, you were given the options to look at apps. You were not subject to having a phone. Everybody's phone looked the same. If you had a BlackBerry, it looked the same. If you had a Sidekick, it looked the same. If you had a Nextel Chirp like I used to have back in the day, it looked the same. But when you had the iPhone, you had a unique device that you can have a different phone for every user that has it. And because of that, we had to give something to help this phone out. And it was faster speeds that phone companies gave by this third generation. It could allow you to download images. It could allow you to view things. It was text messages would move a lot faster. But during 4G, where we're at now, we were introduced with this thing called LTE. Basically, long-term evolution. This allowed the phone to evolve naturally as it got better. Crazy thing about 4G, when that happened... We could get faster broadband speed. This part of the wireless was so important to the streaming of things. Now you can sit on your phone. Instead of you trying to say, hey, I want to download this video, watch it. You can sit and watch the video on your phone for a movie. This was crazy. You, we don't even see it because we're so caught in the moment that we're not even seeing these things that have happened through our time that we just basically adapted to. Now, as we move from 4G, we move to this to the stage where we're moving to, just like the internet was going from 2.0 to 3.0, as we're sitting all in 2.0, the phone is moving from 4G to 5G. Now, why is 5G so dope? 5G is the equivalent to, like, the third generation of, of the web. 5G works with IoT devices. IoT basically stands for Internet of Things. IoT is every device you use in your life at this present moment. I mean, how your car can allow you to talk to somebody while you're driving in a car that can tell you about something that's occurring up the street. How you can say, hey, I'm trying to drive to Florida right now and put something diagram into your car and it could go there. While you're driving to Florida, you're like, hey, I want to listen to uh, I want to listen to something like Sirius uh, Radio. You can listen to somebody streaming from another location. And even with the better cars where they can drive you as you're driving. I've seen the new Cadillac. It does it. It has to go into the future with the autonomous driving. This is all IoT. This is all the internet that we use that we don't even know we're using. Every time you go to a supermarket and you check self-checkout, IoT. Every time you're in a room and the lights get dim based off the temperature of the room. Every time your fridge can tell you something, IoT. Any internet device you talk to that is giving you a result back is IoT. And we need 5G to allow that to happen so fast, faster than you can ever think of. In order for us to have it, we have to have multiple 5G towers. 
Always keep in mind, in order for technology to evolve, you have to have technology in place for that thing to evolve. So you cannot have 5G without towers that have 5G. The reason China is so ahead of it is they're building so many of these towers that have 5G capability. Whereas us in America, we're starting to build a lot of these through our phone company providers like Verizon and, and, and uh, T-Mobile and places like that. But overall, in order for this stuff to work, you need this 5G aspect of it. The reason now, as we get farther past 5G, there's also a location that all this data that we're compiling has to sit. This data sits in this thing that we quote-unquote call the cloud. Now, if you have an iPhone, you know iCloud, you know every, Google Cloud. Everybody thinks of the cloud. And for most people, they don't understand what the cloud is. They're just saying, I'm in the cloud. I got something in here in the cloud. They just, the concept, I believe, is like people think my information is sitting in a location, and I don't know where the location is. And for us to understand it, we have to tell something that people can see a symbol, and it's in the sky, so it's a cloud. I could just break down what the cloud is so you can just have a full understanding of it. So now as you go farther in life, you can be like, yo, I know what that is. So when people just say it to you, it's not just like some crazy analogy and you don't know what you're talking, people are talking about. All the cloud basically is, is like servers that can be just accessed all over the Internet. They have had servers prior, right? We have GoDaddy, we have Bluehost, all these companies that have servers on it. But with the cloud, you have a series of servers that are connected basically like in server farms. This is so dope because these data centers allow for software and database to run super, super, super fast on these servers. When those servers get overwhelmed with data because a lot of traffic comes in, if you think like there's been times in the future where somebody like, like Hove would say, yo, I'm dropping an album, everybody go get it. And then the album drops and the, the, the website shuts down. It's because too much traffic was coming. You needed a way to slow that traffic down because everybody was going to it at once. The way you slowed it down is that you could turn off one location of the server and it can transfer that information to another server so that it doesn't have super amount of bandwidth that's closed. That's basically allowing that server to shut down and the other server will take up the extra bandwidth that is needed. Another thing, it's like it allows you to have updates that are like basically automatic. This, the, the, the servers know when to to turn off when to turn on and also it's really cheap to do this and it's way more efficient across security levels lots of different aspects these cloud which is concepts of having like big mass server farms was like the change of the game when it came to how the data was held reason data is important is because you can always have the information but you still need the data to access that information you think right you have yelp Yelp looks a certain way when you go in. But if you're in a town like Kansas City and you want to go look for the best barbecue in the town, how is it going to know where to find a barbecue? You need to have data there. The data pulls the barbecue that's in that town and you see it. That data is sitting at a location in big firms. There's so many data from so many information. And how do we know that this data is super important? Is because this data is everything when you go on the website, they actually give them. So that's how data becomes so important into the aspect of the things we're doing. As we move farther with this data, we understand that most people that were using this data were tied into an aspect of like understanding how this data could be used in the most ethical way. And in the beginning stages, it wasn't used in the most ethical way, right? You had a person like Google 
right? Google was so important to this aspect of it because Google was the first search engine that was allowing people to, like I said before, it was allowing people to be able to have search engine information tied to the importance of the category that they were searching. It changed the game when it came to searching. It basically knocked Yahoo out. But as we started going farther into this this aspect of Google, Google whole mentality was not to be evil, but they were capturing data from all the users that were using data, right? As they were, these users were using data, it was capturing this data and storing it. What Google realized at this time was every time a user got off Google, they would go to another location. When they went to the search engine, because all a search engine was a search engine, once you get off that search engine, you're on the website. The, new, the website now has your data. Google wanted to keep your data. So what Google decided to do was say, not only do we need a search engine, we need a browser. So everybody moved to Google Chrome. Google Chrome now can keep all the data for the people that are searching. And even if you move off of the search engine, you go into the, the website, you're still in a browser. You're still getting your data captured there. But what Google realized is, hey, there's still other ways that we need to capture data because everybody's not using a browser anymore. So what Google decided to do was create a phone. They use the term Android, but at the end of the day, it's Google. Google controls Android. So you have two choices. You have iPhone, you have Android. Google controls that side of it. Then Google said, hey, people need mail. Let's store the data from that. Oh, people need to find direction. Let's store the data from that. Oh, people need to talk to devices to help them out. Let's store the data from that. Every aspect of Google has been to keep the data of us as individuals stored into their system. I'm not trying to say I'm just giving you facts behind it. You make decisions on your own, right? I'm not trying to scare anybody. Tied into that, we have Apple. Apple is on the other side of it. Another head hot show in the game. Apple's important because Apple was a, the first device that, if you understand about Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs was fired from Apple, came back to Apple. Dope thing about Apple is strictly end to end. You start with Apple, you end with Apple. I was saying before, you have it. You can ask somebody, "Hey, can I use your, your phone?" They choose a device that is basically allowing you to read the phone. That device that you're trying to tie to, like a lightning cable, that's an Apple device. The more and more we think of these devices, the more and more we understand that Apple, Google have been tied into keeping our information for such a long time. Prior into that situation, we have companies like Adobe, who was allowing us to have use video that we could view. But because there at that time, the stream video was so hard for the, the computer to basically compile and give to us, you had to have a device to look at the video. And this is the early stages of you'd have to download Adobe Flash to watch a video. The only problem is because of that, Adobe Flash and Apple had a dispute about, it probably was about money, like most companies have disputes about. And Apple said, if you wanted to watch a video, you couldn't watch the video if you had an Apple device. So if you remember having an Apple device, you try to watch the video that was there and they still were using Adobe Flash, you couldn't watch the video. We don't remember it as much because another thing in the progression of the web happened again. So there's too, so many progressions of the web, but all of these things allow the web to, to come together. So you have a progression of the Gs, right? You have a progression of... 5G, 4G, 3G, rest of those Gs that help you have better Wi-Fi service. The web, right? Web 1, 2, and 3. And you have progression of how you write markup language so people can see it. And that went from 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. 
When HTML, which is hypertext markup language, started, it was strictly for Web 1.0. Hypertext markup language, HTML, is front-end language that the computer can read that can allow us to visually see things. That started in Internet 1.0. As it got to Internet 3.0, hypertext markup language, or HTML, was allowing us to see video. HTML5, which came out during Internet 2.0, late Internet 2.0, allowed us now to see video. That changed the game because now every aspect we wanted to watch on our phone could be watched through HTML5. It was a game changer. You could stream that information from a server into your phone based off of HTML5. That is why you can see this stuff. Always remember that. JavaScript HTML5 allowed for that to happen. We keep going into the aspects of the world and how things change and adapted to it. A lot of the stuff that we use now can only be basically understood because of the technology that allows us to have this information. The technology is what you as a consumer uses to help you move around and do things. The software is what is on a computer that allows you to do it. But the language is allowed for is for what that allows it to happen. And if you're listening to this podcast and you are a person that is um, trying to get into development, this is probably where you're going to really want to understand, like, okay, now I can understand how the languages work. Popularization of languages becomes the thing everybody runs to. So right now we have issues with security. We have issues with people trying to work in the cloud, so you need data engineers. You have issues with people trying to build applications, like mobile apps that are on phones. Always keep in mind there's two types of applications. There's web applications on your desktop. There's mobile applications that's on your phone. They need to be de developed in two different ways. And you have people that are just trying to strictly just get into code and don't know what the hell they're looking for. The language you hear a lot of people talking about is Python. I want to learn Python. I want to learn Python. I want to learn Python. Python was already an older development tool language, just like JavaScript was. But... Because we were still in the point of the mobile app not being so important for people until the iPhone fully was out there, you didn't have a lot of people trying to run it to learn Python because you didn't really need it. When the mobile app came through, Python and JavaScript became so important web-based programming languages, right, for this. The reason Python was so important is because it allowed you to collect data for statistical analysis of that data. For the front-end people, it allowed us to use that data and create visualization so your data can be pulled in from the front-end and you could read it. So if you were looking at something like a graph, you could say, all these people like this certain thing in this area, and you can make the visualization of that data. And also, it allows you to write algorithms for AI. So basically, algorithms that can help the computer understand machine learning. And as we get more into machine learning, you understand why that was so important to the aspect of a lot of things. Machine learning, a.k.a. artificial intelligence, a.k.a. AI, really flipped the whole aspect of coding on its head and really changed the game, which in return changed how we interacted with technology. And this is where I'm going to leave you until our next conversation, which in return will be our last conversation on code. I really hope you enjoyed this high-level view of code, and through it, you gain knowledge in areas that you have never had an understanding of, or that you just wanted to refresh on. 
So until next time, keep in mind, time is of the essence. The only thing you can't get back in life is time. So until next time, get wealthy, stay healthy, and enjoy your own personal blissfulness.